Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Leverage Masters, airing weekly on Tuesdays at 12 Eastern and on demand on iTunes and Blog Talk Radio. Leverage Masters hosts Jack Humphrey and Gina Gaudio-Graves discuss leverage strategy with guest leveragists. Be sure to subscribe to Leverage Masters in your favorite podcatcher for great tips and case studies on using leverage to achieve your biggest goals much faster. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Leverage Masters. I am your co-host, Gina Gaudio-Graves, along with my co-host and all-around partner in crime, Jack Humphrey, we are the co-founders of TheLeveragists.com and Divisio.com. That's D-U-V-I-S-I-O.com, the ultimate leverage platform for companies doing good. And we've got a great show lined up for you guys today, don't we, Jack? We absolutely do. We have uh Josh Hayam here with us today and we're super excited to talk to him. He's the co-founder of Interact, a place for creating fun quizzes and also generate leads. Josh regularly writes about lead generation and conversion rate optimization or CRO and he also enjoys a good game of pickup basketball. I just love that introduction. Very straight to the point. Those are the two things, Josh, that you do and I'm sure that there's nothing more to know, right? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. It's either work or basketball, nothing else. <laughs> so, All right. Well, got this, it. Is a, this has been one of the best shows. Very efficient today. Uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Just kidding. Perfect. <laughs> We're done. <laughs> well, one of the things that we start everybody off with um, every week is, yes, introductions are fine and everything, but we want to know what you're super fired up about right now. What got you out of bed excited to greet the day today? Yeah, we got a lot of really cool stuff going on. Probably just this year in general has been absolutely insane for Interact. We have grown at a pace that's unlike anything we've ever done. And we just started doing webinars for our own product. And we've got 35 people registered for today's webinar, which is really exciting to me. So that is the number one thing in terms of work that's got me super excited right now. Awesome. So tell us a little bit more about what you do with people, what your business is all about, um, and how you how you walk around in the world as Interact. Yeah, yeah. So Interact is a tool for making quizzes. And when I say that, it's like the ones that you probably think of, the ones that are all over your Facebook feed. But we sell mm-hmm. a platform for creating those quizzes to other companies. So Starbucks or the American Red Cross or Lush Cosmetics or yesterday we just got Signet Jewelers and Chanel and Gap. And they will sign up. They'll make quizzes like what's your fashion style, what's your jewelry style, what kind of coffee drink should you get, that kind of stuff. And then they put it out onto Facebook as a marketing tool. And the quizzes also allow them to collect contact information from the people who take the quizzes and then segment their audience based on you know what kind of coffee drink you are something like that, and then you have those contacts, which you can then market to afterwards. So it's a really fun way of brands going out into the world, getting more exposure, and then drawing people into their own company so that they can you know, continue marketing. So that is generally what Interact is for. You know, I love the idea. Uh, we had Ryan Levesque on, I don't know, maybe last year. But uh, before his latest book, and he was talking about the ask method and quizzes mm-hmm. and, and surveys and stuff like that. And even before then, I was like, this is really a good way to get to know your audience. Or maybe you don't know your audience as well as you'd like. And a lot of marketers hear stories about how you're supposed to go and approach your market, how you're supposed to 
appeal to your demographic, how to seek them out and then to push the buttons that they most desire to be pushed. Um, And a lot of people don't know what that means when it comes to sitting right down and writing copy, putting ads together. Uh, And I think it's because they just don't, we don't have enough information and we think we just have to assume a lot more than we do. Doesn't, don't tools like yours and, and systems like yours help people kind of hack that a little bit so that they can be a lot more effective when they go uh, to their audience? Yeah, I mean, it's it's almost silly the way that we go about it because you read a bunch yeah. of advice, you get you get all this copywriting tips from people, and they're like, oh, you should write this way and this way and this way to attract your target audience. And very rarely do people say, just go ask people what they want. And I just think that's such a ridiculous way of going about it because all you have to do is use a quiz or you can just call people in person and just talk to them about what is it that you're looking for? What matters to you, you know, speaking to one of your potential customers or to one of your existing existing customers, what do you care about? What are you interested in? And from there, it's so much easier to then write copy to do all of your marketing, your advertising, sales, webinars, phone calls, all of this stuff just becomes so much more natural when you're coming at it from the perspective of I understand my audience because I have talked to them, I have asked them questions about what they care about, and that's the basis for everything I do. Again, it's just it's so silly the way that we go about this where there's all these tips that you can follow in terms of how to write good copy, but really all you have to do is just ask people what they want and then provide that to them, and that's as simple as it is. It's the lazy man's version of of leverage, isn't it? Because the, the audience within of a survey would then help you write the copy and use the words they want you to use to appeal to them to get them to buy something. It's like, wait a minute, it really seems inside out, doesn't it? It's it's uh, on every level. I find it kind of absurd <laughs> that uh, we do it the, predominantly the way that people do it today. Yeah, right. It's like we're we're doing a guess and check method when we don't have to. We can just go straight to the source ask them and then that's where all of your verbiage comes from that's how you explain things and you know within our own business a lot of our big wins have come from just asking people how they would talk about a certain part of our product you know and then we use their words in the product and all of a sudden it lands it makes sense to everyone because we're speaking their language so if you go to the source there's really no better way to figure out what's going on you know, there, you can follow all the advice in the world, but it is not going to match what you'll get when you just ask people about what they would say and how they would like things to be laid out for the actual customer. Now, devil's advocate, uh, are people taking surveys? Are people taking quizzes? And in your world, with with your unique perspective of the businesses that you work with and the people who are applying this stuff on the ground, what does this look like? Are, you know, a lot of people talk about this stuff, but I'm not a huge survey taker. When I see somebody has a quiz or something personally, I have a bias against them in that I don't typically get um, enticed to go over and fill out something. How is this actually being used on the ground? Because I know Millions and millions and millions of people do do this all the time. They love to give feedback in general, and I'm just weird. So I, I always am a little bit blind there to how effective this is, and maybe you could give us an example of, or a couple of examples of how this works in the real world. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So first off, there are definitely two types of people in the world, the ones that take quizzes and the ones that don't. And there's really no rhyme or reason to which side you land on. I've talked to all sorts of different people, ones that you would expect to really like taking quizzes and ones that you wouldn't, and it's really hard to tell. But in general, just to give you some overall stats, and then we can dive into specific examples, overall stats, the quizzes made on the Interact platform last year got taken 250 million times, so a quarter of a billion, and the average quiz taker spends two minutes completing a quiz, 
and quizzes also have a 50% conversion rate, meaning that half of the people that start taking a quiz put in their contact information if the quiz is set up in that manner. So the engagement on them is unlike any other sort of content. There's nothing that matches the numbers that we're seeing on quizzes, and that's pretty mm. much across the board, even even on other quiz platforms. That's not just ours. That's a, a very generic set of stats that are being seen across everyone. So very, very, very engaging and really drawing people in. Now, in terms of how this actually works, one of my favorite recent, recent examples is from Marie Forleo. She's an influencer. She's been on Oprah's show mm-hmm. and is doing a lot of really, really good work. And she has this quiz that she runs as a Facebook ad. And the quiz is called, What Type of Entrepreneur Are You? her audience consists mainly of entrepreneurs so she wants to reach them that's the quiz that she's got it's a five question quiz with different questions about you know your style of working and where you like to take breaks and how you work and all those types of things at the end of it you are asked to put in your email address so that you can get further information about how to get better based on the type of entrepreneur you are so you can get specific advice how to how to reach the next level based on your type. And then after that, you're shown your results, so you'll be able to see what kind of entrepreneur you are. There's a whole description and then a link to learn more. And that is how it actually plays out in the real world. I think that is a very quintessential example of how quizzes work. You basically make a what type of something are you quiz where the something pertains to your audience. So whether it's entrepreneurs or jewelry buyers or fashion people, whatever it is, you put something in that blank and then you make the quiz and people are naturally attracted to that and it draws them in from social media and from your web properties. So to our listeners, raise your hand and I'll be able to tell. I know this is, uh, we're not seeing each other right now, but I have an extra sense for this. But raise your hand if you're getting a 50% opt-in rate on your uh, whatever you're using for lead gen right now. I don't see a lot of hands. I kind of expected that. Uh, <laughs> that's a hell of an opt-in rate. The best I've ever done, and it's only been one time with one offer, was a 70% uh, opt-in. Hmm. And it was time and context sensitive, and I have never been able to replicate a 70% opt-in since. And 50 would be still way the heck up there and uh, a, a lofty goal. So there's there's that to be said about this. It's, you know, yeah. not much pressure. You don't feel like, I mean, people, there's something about a release valve of, oh, Marie doesn't want me to go download an ebook. Thank God. I'm so sick of whatever people have been approaching me with. All she wants is a little feedback, and it sounds like it might be helpful to me. And I think that breaking down of that resistance to this day, because a lot of people might say, well, the quiz thing might be overdone because everybody figured this out a little some time ago, and and uh, and everything else that we figured out as marketers went by the wayside. We used to give away eBooks like gangbusters, and that was all people could talk about, and everybody opted in, and that was my seventy percent opt-in rate was a free eBook, and then that time went away. Everybody picked up on it, and then they were all doing it. But the thing is, I'm not sensing that this quiz and survey strategy is dying out. It certainly isn't as fast as other things have. Um, is there a human element in this? Is there a what is it in the psychology of all of this that's making this more uh, have more legs than other things that we've tried in the past? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think the big movement and the difference with a quiz is that it's not a strategy it's not a gimmick it's not a ploy it's replicating a conversation and everything that we have worked towards Mm -hmm. is designed to help you replicate a conversation and the analogy i've been giving for five years now since i started this company is that what we would love to do with our quizzes is be able to replicate the experience of walking into a coffee shop that an old couple has owned for 30 or 40 years, they're behind the counter, you walk in, you ask them what kind of coffee beans you should buy. They ask you a bunch of questions about your preferences. You know, what time do you get up? What do you eat for breakfast? 
What's your favorite type of beer? What's your favorite food? They ask you all these things, and then they walk over to the shelf, pull down a bag of beans, and hand it to you and say, this is the right bag of coffee beans for you. And what we would love to do with our quiz platform is be able to recreate that experience where you go to an expert in any field, whether it's coffee or it's an entrepreneurial guru like Marie Forleo or a jewelry store, and that quiz that they've created is able to ask you the same types of questions that someone behind the counter at an actual store would ask you in order to provide you the best possible service. And if that's possible, and that's what is kind of happening right now, it's not perfect yet, but it's what we're working towards. And if we can replicate that, then this is no longer a strategy. It's simply two people talking to each other, connecting. It's through the medium of a quiz, but the more advanced we can get with a quiz, the more it emulates a real-life conversation. And I think that has no end to it because you're literally just doing the same thing we've done you know, since the beginning of time. Well, you keep saying words like advanced, and, and it, I mean, we have to talk about what role uh, very simple and maybe even complex AI has to do with all of this stuff. When the bots came out, uh, and people started using those on Facebook and in other places, chatbots and things that seemed so intuitive and got a really big reaction from people who, just like when autoresponders came out, people started answering the autoresponder as if it was me mailing them personally. And <laughs> I remember that like it was yesterday. It was like, wow, this is extraordinarily powerful. At the time, n- nothing like that had existed. And then they came out with bots and the same kind of thing happened. I fell for it. I, I, you know, I know Frank Kern knows me, and I honestly thought that Frank had, like, recognized my name when I opted into his bot and had responded to me because it was, like, one of the first ones I'd ever experienced. And as a marketer, I felt like, oh, man, that's not him. <laughs> and so what are you thinking in terms of I know this conversation has to have come up, probably many times, but what kinds of technology are you guys looking at to to more perfect, to better perfect that that goal of yours, to, to really feel like that conversation is happening? Yeah, and I think there's an important distinction where we we want to make it clear all the time that this is an emulation, it's not real, and I think just like you had that feeling with with Frank's bot, you always have that kind of sinking feeling when you feel like you got taken for a loop. You know, you thought something was an actual person and then it's not. I think we want to always be clear that this is not an actual person. It's a recreation meant to help you and to assist you. And we're not trying to replace a real-life conversation. And our goal is to eventually drive more real-life conversations from the people that are interested based on the quiz. So that's the first part. But in terms of what we're actually doing to make this more of a real conversation, as we're moving more towards a branched, intelligent type of quiz. So right now you can do conditional things where, you know, let's say the first question is what's your age? And then based on your age, you want to have people answer different questions from that point onward. You can do that so you can have actual very specific branches that go out based on how you answer each question. But then what you can do is you can start to ask for progressive information. So maybe towards the beginning of the quiz, you ask for their name. And then from then on, you say, hey, Josh, what's your favorite thing to eat for dinner? And so then it's referencing you as an individual. Mm-hmm. And we can continue to move more and more in this direction where, you know, just like the mechanics of a conversation that you have over and over again, because you know, if you do work in you know, some sort of retail environment, you end up having the same conversation a lot of times when you're helping somebody find yeah. the right shirt or the right coffee beans or whatever it is. So we're working to emulate those conversations, but again, make it clear that this is not a real person and it's simply an attempt to help you because you know, there's simply not time to actually have a real conversation with every single person. So this is an attempt to recreate some of that experience. We're not replacing it. It's simply kind of the first step. So 
that is what we want to do is just continue to move more and more towards replicating a lot of those conversations that people in the world end up having a lot of the time when they're customer facing. Yeah. You know, in the, in the spirit of it, even though uh, you eventually, if you don't, if you don't know it uh, right off the bat, know that you're, you're talking to somewhat of a bot or something that somebody put together that's automated in a way that makes it feel a lot better than filling out a form. And I guess the way that I feel about that stuff now is that I know that Kern or Marie or someone sat down and thought about these questions. And if there's any personal knowledge of the person who did that to begin with, in a lot of cases there's not. And if it's a corporation, you don't get that person-y feeling. Uh, But I always picture those guys anyway. When they're asking the questions, I hear Kern's voice. And I hear Marie. I, I can picture her on her uh, on a video or something while I'm doing that. And it does still, it, I'm not saying it feels like it's talking to them, but in a way it's got a familiarity about it that is kind of neat. That interaction can be enriched, even though everybody knows that this is an automated thing. This is not a, you know, and I know that you're not, you know, we're not talking about chat bots or anything here, but it, I, I, that might be weird to me. I don't know if other people are like that maybe you have experienced a lot more of this than I have and know how people kind of feel about these things when they know the person ahead of time or if it's a celebrity type or, you know, because uh, I know those guys give quizzes to their known audiences as well as to brand new uh, cold audiences. Yeah, I think there's actually a really good point there, which is that a good quiz does feel like a conversation. And, you do know that it's not an actual conversation. You know, you know you're not talking to Marie. You know you're not talking to Frank. But at the same time, the way that they write those questions is as if they were sitting across from you, as if you were having a conversation. And that's it's the way they they're. Talk. Yeah, it's, it's how they talk, and that's actually one of the most crucial elements to writing a quiz that gets a lot of opt-ins because what it does help you do, and I think you mentioned this earlier, is it helps kind of break down the walls and break down the apprehension about what am I going to, you know, get, what kind of list am I going to get on here? Am I going to get a bunch of spam? And if your quiz is written in such a way where it feels conversational and you've got five or seven or 10 questions that really dive into the specifics of whatever topic you're talking about, then it becomes a much more natural thing to opt in at the end. You're like, oh, of course I'll get more information on how to become a better entrepreneur from Marie. That makes total sense. We just kind of talked it over in a very you know, small way, but I'm interested in learning more now because of the way I had that short little conversation. So that is one of the most key elements to a good quiz is that it does feel like you're talking to somebody rather than just answering a bunch of you know, corporate style how do you feel about this type of question? So it does need to really emulate an actual conversation. What do you, do you guys have a internal uh, language that you, you know, when you're trying to go for that neat factor, when somebody gets to the point of opting in, in a quiz and they have felt so good through the whole process, it's just hitting everything. It's just nailing everything. And they're just like, this is, if they were to describe it, they'd say things like, this was a really great experience. You know, this was like a, this was fun. This was um, interesting. This was informative. And you, you, that's a zone that you always want to get in as a marketer <laughs> is to have people feeling like that going through any process that you're taking them through, that they are less aware of the mechanics of the process and completely focused on the conversation, the interaction is there a terminology for that? It's like a sweet spot or something. And I always like to try to get there when I'm building funnels or whatever, you know, or hope. I pray that I'm going to be there and that that's what's going to happen with my audience. It, it's really crucial, right? It's a little bit like a, it's a little bit more than just having a good conversation or replicating a good conversation. Uh, but that, that, comes out really well, that people are like, that's great. I'd take that again. I'd take that survey again, or I want to interact with this company more. What's that called? Yeah, I mean, we we don't have a name for it, but we do have some very specific ways to think about how to get there. 
and I did a piece for Buffer a few years back about how to sound human when you're online. And if we had to put it into a phrase, that's what I'd call it, is how do you sound like a human person and not like a company when you're writing a quiz? And there are mm -hmm. two primary tips that you have to follow in order to reach that goal. The first one like I said, you have to act as if you were talking to a person. And ideally, you hold yourself accountable by picking a person who's real and you write the quiz for them. And then before you launch it out to your audience, send it to that person, ask them what they think of it, because you should be at that level where you are actually writing to that individual person, because the quiz is a one-to-one -one medium. Only one person answers the questions at a time. So that is really crucial. And then the second rule is what we call the tipsy rule, which is that you should write these questions as if you were not only sitting across from that person, but you were out for beers and you've already had a couple. Because when you do that, it will take off your corporate shell, if you will. You'll stop talking mm -hmm. like a robot, which we all have a tendency to do once we you know, have said the same thing over and over and over again. It gets to be way too put together. And the problem is that that doesn't feel real. That feels like I'm, I'm trying to write copy here. I'm trying to write a sales funnel. And people can detect that. They're, you know, they don't like it. So you definitely want to make sure that you write to a person and then write as if you were having a very natural, free-flowing conversation over beers. That's why I always like to have six or seven beers before every show at Leverage Masters. Uh, I'm yeah, sure yeah, nobody yeah. can tell. <laughs> <laughs> but really good beer, though, not that crappy beer. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Good quality. So, uh, so, again, let's go back. I think we lost the thread a little bit before because we got, I mean, this is so fun to talk about and there's so many angles to go. But we, but could you give an example of a success story that you guys have had in the last five years with a company? You don't have to name them or anything, but give us some idea of somebody running a real full-blown campaign, not as a quiz, as an afterthought, or part of a. I mean, it is part of another, a bigger campaign, but, uh, but, but they really dedicated themselves to it, and it really came off well. Give us a sense of what that was like. Yeah, yeah. So I'll pull in a couple. One is an example where they ran lots of quizzes and another will be an example where they ran one quiz and made the most of it. So with lots of quizzes, we work with a country music website. It's one of the biggest and they have run a quiz almost every single day for just about three years now. They've collected wow. nearly a million email addresses using those quizzes and they have gotten over a million social shares from those quizzes. So it's been a huge, huge pillar to their content, and it's been absolutely incredible. And then on the one quiz side, there's an online course platform. So they're actually selling the courses. They're not a platform for making them, but it's they sell technology courses on alternative careers. So let's say you want to go back to work, but as a computer programmer, they sell courses for that. And they have got a quiz that is built into not only their onboarding funnel, but also it's run as a Facebook ad. It's on their website. It's on their blog. It ranks in search, all of these places. So a full-blown campaign where this quiz is a huge part of the onboarding for these online courses. And the quiz is what career is actually best for you, which is a great question to ask people, especially when they're reconsidering what they want to be doing. And that flows into everything. They've got it hooked up to HubSpot. There's different sequences for the different careers. It ties into webinars down the line. It drives directly into sales at some point or pushes people to talk to an actual representative. So that is an example of using that one quiz. Like I said, it's linked up to Facebook. It's on their website as a pop-up. It's on their blog. It's run through their onboarding campaign for people that have already opted in. So it's used everywhere as a way to funnel people into the right segment so that they can then be followed up with in the proper manner. And they've been running that same quiz for just about two years, same exact quiz, two years. So that is an example of using it just as one. That's a very crucial component of 
your entire marketing experience. Now, are these guys like the girls that I used to go to school with in high school? They'd come and they'd have their front, the bangs in the 80s. They had these great big bangs. They're like front porches on their faces, and they'd have them all done up like they spent an hour, and the back of their hair was wet. That probably wasn't the best example for the younger crowd, but, yeah, the, you know, that kind of thing. Is it really fun like this in the front, and these guys are just going right back to traditional marketing stuff once they get people on the list, or are they? Are you? do you encourage them to be – creative all the way throughout the process as they started out with a quiz and thinking about doing something different. I'm sure both of these examples didn't do quizzes and then they did and they were probably skeptical at first and then found that they were getting results. Do do they just, from that point they've evolved, do they devolve back into traditional marketing? I've got them on the list now, let's hit them with offers or are they doing something interesting throughout the whole process? Yeah, that's a great, great question. So in the example where you're running a lot of quizzes, I think the the reason that somebody got on your list is because they like that quiz. And so the key then is to continue sending out other quizzes that are also fun. So if you got somebody on your list because they took a which Miranda Lambert song are you quiz, then you keep sending them other songs that are similar. And you send them which Carrie Underwood song are you next and all this kind of stuff. So you got to continue delivering on the value that got them hooked in the first place. Now, when you're running one quiz and you're running it into HubSpot or Marketo or ConvertKit or whatever, and you've got these different sequences for the different quiz results, the key to making sure that you deliver long-term value is to actually follow up on your promise to send personalized advice to that person. And a quiz has such a staying power in terms of how much you remember which quiz result you got, that all of your follow-up emails should reference the type of result that somebody got. So let's say you're taking Marie's mm-hmm. quiz and you get the analytical entrepreneur. Every single email, up to 10, 15 emails out, should reference the fact that you're an analytical entrepreneur. So here's a full description of your results as an analytical entrepreneur. Here's the other results you could have gotten if you weren't an analytical entrepreneur. Here's our top 10 Mm -hmm. tips for analytical entrepreneurs. Here's a video from Marie for analytical entrepreneurs. So you keep referencing this personality that they've been assigned. And because they were assigned this personality and it was such a powerful thing to them, all of these emails are so much more relevant. And they become what we call transactional emails where somebody told you something about themselves and then you're sending an email in response. And transactional Mm -hmm. emails like that have more than 2x the opens, clicks, shares, and buys of regular blast emails. So you're not just sending out the same thing to everybody. You're actually sending something that is meaningful and personal and that works so, so much better. Yeah. Uh, consulting with a client that has a dating site, I can say for absolute sure that is true. Transactional emails, especially from, uh, well, from anything that you're super highly interested in, but dating, I mean, my goodness, that's that goes right to the core of humanity. And, <laughs> and it is absolutely true. Those emails are the ones that get all the action. And it's not uh, coincidentally not where we also put all of our ads and links and things we want people to pay attention to because all the other emails that go out get far less uh, play. So we mm-hmm. write on the back of that emotional trigger to, you know, converse with the girl or the guy that you think is hot. And, I mean, had th- that tool not been there, then the whole thing would have come to a crashing halt because all other modes of delivery were just getting what people complain about industry standard or whatever, just low Uh, returns Mm -hmm. so that is really cool to hear all of it because i'm like this is so good on the front and it's so different and i just wanted to hear you say that people are taking that seriously enough that they follow through the whole thing and and keep it tied to that because something's obviously happening there if you can get a 50 percent opt-in rate you've got a highly engaged audience it would be a shame to just throw them into the you know email sequence you used six years ago or something after they've done this really neat thing that's unique and you weren't able to replicate probably 
uh, in an opt-in rate and engagement in your old email sequences. So that's really cool to hear. As far as what people are using for that that moment of truth, which is opt-in to fill in the blank, what kinds of is there a really hard incentive for like the country place or or is it pretty soft? Is it just do they rely heavily on incentive or is it is it pretty easy or somewhere in between? Yeah, so in terms of the actual opt-in and what you want to say on that form, there's a couple of things. First of all, you want to let people know that you are in fact going to show them their results right away because there have been enough people that have exploited these things now to where they're like, oh, well, you can get your results, but only after you open an email right. or whatever the next thing is, right? So the first thing that you want to make sure you do is actually tell them that they're going to get to see their results right away. Now, the second thing, though, is the important part, which is that you simply want to let them know that you are going to, in fact, deliver on the promise that you are going to send them personalized advice. So on that opt-in form, it should say something like, opt-in to see your results right now, and after that, you will get to have personalized information that is specific to you based on your personality that will help you to improve. And that is so easy because that is what you should actually do in order to be yeah. you know, effective with your marketing after the fact, and you just have to tell them. So it becomes so much simpler. You don't have to have any sort of gimmick. You don't have to say, oh, you know, there's a limited time offer, whatever. No, you're actually just delivering real value, and you're letting them know that you're going to deliver real value. And I think that's beautiful because then there's no tricks to it. There's no gimmicks. There's no ploys, and you're just stating a promise, and then you deliver on that promise by sending those actual helpful emails after the fact. One could say that marketers are really bad gift givers. Like, you don't want to get a Christmas gift from a marketer because it's going to probably suck. Because the traditional marketer doesn't know you, hasn't taken the time to really get to know you, and you're going to end up with a another bread-making machine or something stupid. And the, the thing is, that what's really cool about what you do is you're wrapping up the people themselves and giving them back to themselves as a gift. And nobody is going to dislike that gift. They love themselves. People are interested in themselves. They, they want to know more about themselves. And if all you're doing, and this is essentially what this is, is you're tying them up in a bow and handing it back to them. And therefore, the incentive at the end where you're asking for the opt-in, it's both small and easy and, and ironically huge at the same time without having to give away a bread machine, a, you know, a, an e-book, a white paper, or any of the other dull, stupid stuff that we've, we've at times been very successful doing in the past, but it, it's nothing compares to giving people the gift of themselves, right? Yeah, right, and it's like what's the number one topic yourself and there's all sorts of marketing studies showing that if you just add somebody's name to something they'll pay attention drastically more than if it's just generic so you simply are and the magic of it beyond just giving people you know the gift of themselves is that they just told you what they want you to tell them because they answered all the questions of this quiz they told you all their preferences and you're simply giving them advice based on what they told you. So not only is it giving them what they want, but it's really easy because they've told you what they want. And you don't have to go guessing and trying to figure out the perfect way to word everything and exactly how you should you know, write things to entice people to buy. No, they've told you all of that. All you have to do is use your expertise in your specific field to provide advice to them based on what they told you and all of a sudden you've got the most effective marketing strategy that exists. You know, if you guys want to make a Brazilian dollars, and I'll just give this to you for free, Valentine's Day is coming up, and the least, the least confident gift buyer right now in the world is a male, and, <laughs> and when it comes to girlfriends and wives, and if there's any way that you can take all of this and get it to where you're giving the perfect gift to your girlfriend or wife based on a survey. 
Like, she, that would be brilliant. You guys got to get on that because it's next week. But billions yeah, I, I kn- of dollars right there. <laughs> I know I know companies have done that before, and I'm a little skeptical because I feel like there's a lot of dudes out there just following the advice of some quiz, which is uh, is risky for sure. But, you know, if it works, well, I want I want the quiz to be directed to the wives, and I want to give them the gift of themselves. <laughs> okay, I'm talking about my wife, okay? Let's just, let's just be, not, not beat around the bush. But, yeah, I mean, I want the surveys to go here, do a survey, and uh, it's a personal survey. Only one person's going to take it, and it's the one you, you have the hardest time prying information out of. And uh, you don't want that look this year you got last year with the, when you hand that gift over. <laughs> that would be awesome. It's amazing. So where do we go from here? I think we've solved that problem, so that's one big yeah. thing off my list today. Solve uh, this crazy Hallmark holiday. Done. Uh, so where does all of this go from here? Like, where does it? Where do you see the industry going? Where do you see people taking this? Uh, interaction and and uh, conversation because I mean it's obvious the internet's been going this way for a long time and people just mm-hmm. you know they they can tell a gimmick from a mile away people are so savvy now and they've taken a lot of lumps over the years to get to the point where collectively we're a pretty savvy human race <laughs> when it comes to uh, that sounds like a scam that feels like a scam or this is somebody's trying to manipulate me in some way and we talked about AI we talked about bots quizzes surveys stuff like that. In your world, where do you where do you see this stuff going? How much more change in this direction do you think that there is yet to come? Yeah, I think the entire movement as a whole is simply a shift back to reality. You know, the Internet is an interesting place because it's just been so full of gimmicks and all sorts of shenanigans from the beginning. And anything that's not real falls into the category of a gimmick to me. And I think the way that I see this going with interactive marketing, conversational marketing, whatever you want to call this, is it's simply a hearkening back to recreating real-life experiences and not even trying to act as if we're replacing real interactions, but simply being a medium that guides us towards more effective conversations in real life. And all of these things where we're pulling in information from somebody and then we're giving them back what they want, we're you know, selling them their own interests, if you will, that is simply moving back towards a simpler time when everything was just based on this is what I think, this is what I think, let's have a conversation about it. I'm an expert in an area as a company. I can help you in these ways. Let's talk about how that would work. And what we're doing is just helping companies to get back to what they used to be able to do when the Internet didn't exist and people would actually come in and you could talk to them about what they want and then use that as a way to sell them your products or services. And we're just moving back towards that. So I think it's got a long ways to go in that things tend to shift slowly, especially when it comes to marketing and sales. You know, a lot of the dollars are still in much more traditional sorts of advertising right now. But as that becomes less and less effective, as people become more savvy on, you know, things that are just so fake and so gimmicky, they're going to want that real conversation to come back into the equation. And I think that's where a lot of things are headed when I talk to super large brands their biggest concern right now is how do we serve people better by personalizing our offerings? And the best way to do that is just to ask people what they want and then be able to provide that. So I think it's part of a huge shift that's happening overall. I don't know the timeline on it, but the shift is very positive because it's simply back to people connecting with one another more and more. It is kind of scary how badly sales car salesmen have affected the entire planet. Like most people's experience before they got on the internet with sales at all, most people had bought a car. And then they decided they wanted to have a business and they were going to make a business and a web page and 
uh, you know, the, all the old stuff that everybody was enamored with right off the bat. But when they fell back on whatever they knew about marketing, one of the biggest people that's so influential in everyone's life is that guy at the damn car lot who used gimmick after gimmick after gimmick and the yelling and the megaphones and everything else. And then it's really cynical, but why would the human race look at the Internet and go, this is the biggest megaphone of all? And there's millions of ways we can create a gimmick when the answer was all the way back to the very beginning. We didn't have to evolve to this point because of the technology that needed to catch up with real interaction. I mean, there's some of that, right? But we always were able to have more real conversations if we had chosen to do so. And it took us, well, 18, 20, some odd 25 years maybe to realize that we're sick of all of that. We've been eating a bunch of sugar and and we're hung over from uh, binging on all of the gimmicks that we can do. And we're finally getting to a point where it seems like after your great description of it, we should have been there right from the very beginning. It's really strange yeah, I... to look back on it from that perspective. Yeah, I mean, I, I think looking at it, it it totally makes sense to me because people will always go after whatever is the most effective in the short term, and a gimmicky approach. You know, car sales people sell cars; it works. But how does it make the buyer feel afterwards when it's six months or a year down the line, and they realize they got you know taken advantage of and they lost a bunch of money and they could have paid a lot less, or maybe the car is not as good as it was, it was talked up to be, you feel really bad. And it takes a long time for those bad feelings to grow and grow and grow through the market to where all the consumers push back and they say, this is ridiculous. We don't want this. There is enough of us talking about this now to where you know that gimmicky car salesperson is not going to be able to take advantage of us anymore, and we are going to demand something better. And that's when the change starts to happen because all of a sudden... That's when you can walk into a store and buy a Tesla. You just buy it. Exactly. There's no commission salespeople or anything. It's even affecting that particular industry and also the real world. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And the gimmicks stop working, and that's when people go back to the real offers where we're simply explaining what it is that we have. We're trying to provide the best service possible and that's what we're going to give you. There's no tricks up our sleeve. It's this is what we have. Here's how it fits into your life. Would you like to buy this or not? There's no sort of coercing or anything that comes along with that old school model of sales copy and you know the car salesperson in general so i think it takes a really long time for those those negative energies to build to where people push back and they say no we don't want this to be the way things work we would like this to be much more natural and honest and that's where things shift and i think that's happening in online marketing i'm seeing more and more stories about you know, banner ad companies being sold off at a fraction of their previous value as a company, you know, different sorts of things like that, where you used to be able to just send out some message that was really forward and brash and that would work. But now people are much more negative when they look at those things and it doesn't work. They don't buy the products. And if there's no money coming in, then you can't continue operating that way. So I do think that it's gotten, is we, what's happening. I was just going to say, it's gotten past the point of critical mass. It's too hard to trick people now. It's too expensive. You have to think way too hard because you know that you've trained. It's ironic because marketers have trained people to be this sensitive to this stuff. It goes both ways. And so now that there's this huge market backlash... Well, we kind of trained them to do that. I mean, we're the reason that they're doing that. You know, marketers did that. And now it's become we've trained them to be very savvy. So we've always had to up our game. It's been an arms race of attention and engagement and gimmickry. And marketers are going to lose that in the end. They're going to, if you try to stick to that, you know, okay, well, if I just put one more thing in my funnel, if I twist it this way, I can trick them into buying something else. And it's just over to me. I mean, I'm ready to make the declaration because I'm just so sick of it anyway. I wish I could say with a 1,000% confidence that today it's over and nobody's going to do it anymore. But I see what you're saying. The writing's on the wall, ab- it, absolutely. And 
And it, what a refreshing thing. And the cool thing is now marketers are taking advantage of – I don't think a lot of marketers really liked doing that kind of stuff, but they were taught that, that this is the only thing that works. And if you're going to sell 1,000 copies of this or whatever, you're going to have to – you're going to have to have this kind of a funnel and a webinar and blah, 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 blah. And you might want a funnel and a webinar these days, but you're going to have to put different things into it, a whole different energy and come from a different perspective, I think is what you're saying, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think you always have a choice. I mean, as much as you can say, you know, we were trained this way or it works or whatever when we're talking about using kind of unethical methods, if you will, you always have a choice not to do that. And I think at the end of the day, if you can keep your integrity about you and you can simply offer a good solution to a problem that people have and explain how the solution can help them from where they're coming from and you can use you know, whatever they tell you to help explain how your solution helps them, that's really all we should be doing as marketers. We should simply be trying to explain to people how we can help and if they're interested, they're interested. If not, then they're not. And we should leave it at that. And all of this other stuff, all of these tricks that come into play, all of these things that people have tried for years and years uh, are simply contrary to what I would consider the right way to go about selling a product or a service. And I do think that people are fed up with it. And it is refreshing to see more of this simply offering up what you can help with as a way of doing marketing rather than trying to go around and you know, spread some sort of rumor or whatever it is that makes them want to buy a, a product. So I do think it's kind of hitting the refresh button and getting rid of a lot of this, this flack that's built up over the years in terms of the way that marketers have gone about things and moving back towards simply providing a good solution based on what someone needs help with. Now, what somebody who's been doing marketing online for at least a few years should feel when you say something like that is a massive, massive weight off their shoulders. That's what I feel because it's like, it's, it's almost like that story about when you tell a lie and it just gets over time more and more complicated and you've got to come up with sub stories and, and alibis and everything, and after a while, you can't keep track of your lie because it wasn't real to begin with. And it's not that it's that disingenuous. It's not like I hung around in like the black hat part of the web or anything, you know. But I treat that stuff really seriously. So what somebody might say is totally cool. I'd say that's a little ethically challenging. I don't really feel genuine, at least, doing that. I everybody kind of has some hand in all of that. It's like, well, how am I? I need to think about this in a manipulative perspective or in a control perspective. Like I've got to control this conversation. I've got to, you know, I've got to move this person from point A to point B without, and then somebody come in and it looks like a little Zen Buddhist guy. He's like, why don't you allow them to move themselves towards your product, you know? And I love that more. I think a lot of people would hear your message and you could just probably be on a podcast on TV and everything all day for the rest of this year evangelizing this idea and keep people out of the psych ward, keep people off the medications for depression and everything, marketers who are really like, how far does this go? I don't feel good doing this. It sucks. I didn't get into my business to do this kind of stuff. And you could, you, anybody who's your client, I would imagine, feels that sense of relief. I would imagine. Yeah, and it really is. I mean, what you just said about the the pile, the weight getting bigger and bigger makes me just think of a a marketing automation map. And I've seen some of these, you know, somebody's got some stuff set up where there's all these things and it does just keep getting bigger and bigger. And it is because you have to uphold this lie that you're telling about how you can help and you have to just continue getting more and more and more complicated before you've got this insane web and it literally looks like a web when you build these things just this web of lies that you're spinning and you're trying to convince somebody to do it something even looks that like they don't really want to do it looks like a web uh, yeah. an automation <laughs> map looks like a web yeah it's a perfect I, anybody who's out there talking map. about marketing stuff perfect next blog post just put up a marketing automation or a, a, a complicated mind map and then just point an arrow at it and say this is a lie 
and then yeah, have at it. Go life. for your go for your article. <laughs> that could actually go viral because a lot of people still are just totally into that stuff, and they believe in the complication of it is the success that it must be yeah. successful. Because look at it; it's like the schematic of a computer's motherboard. This has yeah, to work. it's it's crazy, but I I mean I think what actually works is you become an expert at something, you become really good at something that has to do with the solution you offer, and then you just simply go to people and help them solve that problem that you know how to solve. You do that over and over again, and that is marketing, and that is sales. There's nothing else to it. And at the end of the day, that works, and you're also helping everybody that you work with, everybody that you work with has a good experience because you provided something that they needed and you used the expertise and the skills that you've developed in a positive manner to make their lives better. And that works for everyone. Your business grows and your customers are happy and it's positive all around. So I think that's what we should be doing, not developing developing these giant webs of lies. Well, if someone was properly inspired by what we've talked about today and they wanted to make a change, um, and, and do make sure that you shout out your site and everything so people can learn more about you in this answer. But, I mean, you're talking to people who've built up an arsenal, who've built up a great, great big complicated website and maybe some funnels and, and things like that. So, what does this look like in their world? Where would you take the first step in simplifying how just in the area of talking to their customers, talk, engaging with their audience, what would they do first? Yeah, so I realize this is a lot to change, and things don't happen quickly in terms of changing the way that you do marketing and things like that. But there is a very simple way to start on the right path. And all you have to do is you pick four to six people who are either customers or if you haven't started yet, they're potential customers. And you ask them for an hour of their time to ask them questions about whatever industry you're in. And then you spend less than 20% of that hour talking and you make sure that they talk for 80% of it and just talk to you about how they feel about things. And if you sit there and you listen and you take notes and you ask good questions and you pay attention, they will drastically change not only the way that you write stuff and the way that you do marketing, but just the way that you think about your customers because you'll realize that these are people and they have problems and they have issues that you might be able to help with, you might not be able to help with, but it helps you understand them a little better. And that's going to completely shift the way that you do marketing and the way that you think about your customer base, all those things. So simply set up four to six one-hour phone calls and ask good questions and listen. Your answer is profound. I mean, the, the number of times that the answer to the last question on this show ended in go get this software, go buy this book and read 20 chapters, go do this, go do that. All good information because we don't have any bad information on Leverage Masters. But <laughs> that you just said what you said is just profound. It's just so zen. It really is. It's just so simple. And that really backs up everything that you said today in a really nice way to tie a bow on it. If, if, if you didn't have that answer, the the rest of what you said wouldn't be true, right? Because <laughs> it has to be simple. We're talking about simplicity. It better damn well be a simple answer. Just really brilliant. I think that was just awesome. Where yeah, do we uh, find you. out more about you and, and the stuff that you guys are doing? Yeah, so I, I share my content and podcasts and stuff on LinkedIn. So you can search for Josh Hanum. There's only one of me in the world, so you'll find me. And then for our stuff, I would recommend checking out our blog. It's tryinteract.com slash blog. I write about the psychology behind quizzes a lot, which is a good place to start to kind of think about how mm. a lot of this stuff works, similar to what we've talked about today. And then if you want to try out the product from there, there's a link to try it out. But i check out the blog first and read through some of that stuff to start with. Well, Gina... We did it again. I don't know how we're getting such incredible talent. Uh, we're on a roll here <laughs> on the show. 
This has been great. Uh, Josh, so, so much thanks. And I would love to talk to you again. So anytime, it's an open door. You can come back and talk to us, and we can get down and dirty and some more, you know, stats and things and stuff and wherever you really want to go because I know that where it starts is a new and different view of how things ought to be on the Internet in terms of engagement and interaction with our our clients and, and potential clients and customers. So anything that originates from that is going to be an awesome conversation, at least for me. And you guys can give us feedback on this on the page. Let us know what you thought of today's show at theleveragist.com. And once again, Josh, thanks so much for being here today. Yeah, thanks for having me. That was an awesome conversation. Thank you, Josh, and we'll be back same time, same place next week. Have a great week, everybody. Tune in next week for another episode of Leverage Masters. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook on our Leverage Blackbook page to keep up with the latest. We'll see you next time on Leverage Masters. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.